This week on Vav Kislev will be the art site of Reb Avram, Reb David, known throughout the Jewish literary world as the Reifid. Interestingly enough, I have a yard site list on the internet which gives me a list of many Rabbanim, many Gedolim who passed away by date. The date that I have for the Ra'avad in the month of Kislev is Chavav Kislev. On the same list, there is a date of Chavav Tevet for the same person, for the Ra'avid. Apparently, there seems to be some confusion about the date itself. And in fact, as would be natural for someone who lived so many years ago, the biographical details are not that clear. The program, the, the discussion of this Raiva today, obviously will be brief within a time limit and can only point out certain salient fi- features about the Raiva. The more interested person is certainly recommended to read the work of Professor Yitzchak Tversky, Zichrono Levracha, called the Raivet of Pasquier, and the number of articles that were written by his brother-in-law, Chaim Salavechik, Professor Chaim Salavechik, about the Raivet. The information that we'll give is basically a tamsit, a very brief synopsis of certain salient points of, of the Raivet. The exact date of his birth is not clear. He was born somewhere around the year 1120, which means that he was older than the Rambam, but he was alive at the same time as the Rambam, and they were aware of each other. He was born in Narvona. Even the place of his birth had seemed to be a question of conjecture until we found recent, fairly recently, within the context of Jewish literature, it's considered fairly recently, we found a Meiri, who mentions that the Raivet was born in Narvona. His father was a Tamid Chacham, but not that much is well known about his father, but it seems that he was very wealthy. The Raivet himself was known to be wealthy, which is important to understand part of his continuing life in Pasquier. He became the son-in-law of Reb Avram Reb Yitzchak, who was the author of the Eshko. His father-in-law certainly was one of his main influences, together with a few other famous gedolim of that time. The Raivid eventually was famous, the city that he was famous for was the Raivid of Pasquier, which I mentioned is the name of the book of Professor Tversky. He seems to have come to Pasquier approximately 1165. When he came to Pasquier, he was known building a yeshiva in Pasquier. Not only did he build the yeshiva in terms of being the Rosh Yeshiva, but he supported the yeshiva. Students came to him and he actually supported them while they were studying in the yeshiva. Most of his, the rest of his life seems to have been in Pasquier, and he only left occasionally, once because of a feud, 
went for visits to other cities, perhaps they went to the Spain and received some Spanish influence, began to understand the difference between the Ashkenazi custom and the Sephardi customs. And then he, he returned to Pasquier. It seems that his literary work of the Hasagot, which of course are the most famous part of his work, Hasagot, we'll have to explain exactly what the word means, were then written after he returned to Pasquier. The Raivid was multidimensional in his literary output. He was a Mefarish, a classic commentator of Gemara. In fact, the Mi'iri, who is known to have given different appellations to the scholars of his time, called the Raivid Migdole HaMefarshim. He looks at him basically as a person who is a Mefarish, who gives explanations. We have very little of the Raivid on Azmefarish, but we do have some of the Pirushim. For example, there's a Sefer Raivid on Bavakame. We have the Pirush of, of the Raivid on Bavakame, which is published by a professor, Shmuel Atlas. We have the Raivid on Avodah which was published originally by Professor Avram Sofer. And, of course, if we call the Rishonim and find, we'll find many, many important opinions of the Raivid as a Mefaresh found in many other Rishonim. In Shita Mukubetzas, in many, many Svarma Rishonim, Rishonim quote him, and we can see the importance of his Perushim through the Rishonim. The Raivid was also a codifier, a posek. And we see that in certain types of writing that he did. Of course, the chuvas of the Raivid, his, his responses show that people asked him questions. He responded, the Tmim Deim, the famous Sefer of the Raivid, which has very important chuvas, the Sefer that he wrote on Hilchas Nida, Baalei HaNefesh, which is a classic used today First, when people study Hilchas Nida. But somehow, in the yeshiva world, he is most known as a masig. The Raivid is differentiated from other Raivids. The, the name of the Raivid, Rabbi Avram ben Daud, Rabbi Avram ben David, seems to be a very generic type of name because many people, there were at least two to three Raivids that were known as being the Raivid. And we have to differentiate one from the other. Today, when we use the word Raivid for Rav Av Bezdin, anybody who is a, a head of a court, of a rabbinic court, is called a Ravad. So obviously the name Ravad could have led to confusion. So the Ravad is referred to in yeshivas very often as the Bal Hasagos, the one who is the author of the Hasagos. Hasagos here seems to mean the one who reacted and somehow overtook the Sefer in which he's dealing. The Ravad, of course, is famous for the Hasagos on the Rambam, but he wrote Hasagos on the Rif as well. He wrote other commentaries as Hasagos, not just on the Rambam. One of the Hasidic Sherebis once used the word Hasagos and said, this might be what the Torah meant. When the Torah says, The Pasuk 
saying the opposite of the tochecha, the good part of the brachas that were given to Bnei Israel, it says these brachas will come to you v'hisigucha. V'hisigucha really means literally they will catch you. So Chassidah Shereb said that word v'hisigucha is like hasagas arrived al Rambam. It's sort of a challenge, a challenge to improve yourself. When you have these brachas, so the brachas therefore should stimulate you to even do more. V'hisigucha is the hasagas arrived. The exact date of the Ravid's passing away, as I said in the very beginning, is unclear. Perhaps Chavav Kislev, perhaps Chavav Teves. But the year seems to be very well known as 1198. So that means the Ravid was close to 80 years old, depending upon what the actual date of his birth was. But he was lived to approximately 75 to 80 years old. On the day that he passed away, we have a tradition quoted from Rishonim, and Professor Tversky brings this in his book on the Ravid, that the Kohanim went to the funeral. Now, we know that a Kohen is enjoined from Tomas Meis. A Kohen is not allowed to come into contact with with a dead body, and it's Chil Kuna. It would defile the concept of Kuna. There is a famous uh, Tosfos that says, if I, Rabbeinu Tam, if I had been in the, at the funeral of Rabbeinu Tam, I would have, a Kohen said, I would have gone to the funeral, I would have defiled myself, because for the God Hadar, he felt you were allowed to go to the funeral. The fact that the tradition is that Kohanim did so, reflects the importance of the Ravid and the esteem in which he was held. The Sources there quoted also say that the Kohanim, where he lived, had the custom of refusing to get the first Aliyah, and they insisted that the Ravid be called to the Torah before them. It's true that the Mishnah in Gitin says that for the sake of creating peace in the world, we have a concept that the Kohen gets the first Aliyah. Nevertheless, the Kohanim of his town said that the Ravid should be called before the Kohanim. Interestingly enough, this seems to be based on the opinion of the Rambam. Because the Rambam there in the Perush HaMishnah says that the concept of calling the Kohen first is when they're basically more or less equal. If all the people in the town are more or less equal, then you have to choose how to give out the Aliyahs. You give the Kohen the first Aliyah. But if one is a true Tamit Chacham, then the Tamit Chacham comes before the Kohen. The Raman bases that on the Gemara, there in Gitten, Daphnun Tesamet base. And the Raman says in a very striking comment that it's very, very poor practice to call the Kohen before a Tamit Chacham. Of course, the Rambam later in Mishnah Torah somehow mentions casually that the custom of, of Klai Yisrael is not so, and the custom of, of, of that we have even today is that we call the Kohen first, even though there's a major Tamit Chacham who is present. But nevertheless, the Raman, the Pirusha Mishnah, says that is a practice that I would condemn. I think it's a terrible practice. So it seems that the comment of the Rambam had been accepted by the Gedolim who lived in that, in that town of the Ravid, and they showed that they wanted to give the first Aliyah to the Ravid and not to the Kohanim. This is a little bit of, of deference that we can see from here the importance and the respect that the Ravid had in his lifetime and, of course, until his death.
his influence, the influence of the Rebbe throughout Jewish history can be found by the various svarim that he had, the people who commented on his svarim, yeshivas, those that find the Rebbe in many, many svarim, the list that Professor Salavechik printed in his article about the Rebbe, where he mentioned, he quotes hundreds of cases where the Rebbe in quoted by Rishonim were found in other sources, which would we would have to learn carefully in order to correlate them with what it says in the Mishnah Torah, is an example of fine scholarship to see where the Ravid really is important, not just for the Hasagos of the Rambam, not just because he was Ravid Bal Hasagos, but it is true that it's famous in the Yeshiva world, the Ravid is known as the Ravid Bal Hasagos. What caused him to write the Hasagos is also an interesting question. Of course, the Ravid, as I said before, wrote Hasagos not only in the Rambam, he wrote Hasagos in other Svarim as well. But what caused him to attack the Rambam, or perhaps attack is the improper word, to, you, to write his Hasagos in the Rambam? First of all, we should point out that not all the Hasagos are critiques. Very often, the Ravid even heaps praise upon the Rambam. Sometimes he shows the source of the Rambam, and sometimes he just says, there are other sources, there are other people who disagree with the Rambam. But the, Ram, the Ravid sometimes, occasionally, speaks rather harshly against the Rambam, and of course this led to conjecture among scholars, why did the Ravid really write his Sfarim? One, his Hasagos. One is because he was upset that the Rambam did not quite quote any sources. The Ravid thought... If the Ram does not quote sources, then you cannot judge accurately the importance of this psak, and you cannot base it solely on the fact that the Ramam quoted this this source. In general, the Ravitz does say this in his introduction to the Sagas, in the very beginning of his Sagas, the Ravitz says that the Ramam Savalitakain, he thought he'd do something wonderful to improve the world, but it really did not accomplish its purpose. He should have had the sources. There could have been, there's a lot of different uh, suppositions or hasharot, why the Ravid really wrote his comments. Some think that the Ravid really opposed the Rambam, maybe he opposed his philosophic approach, maybe it was really, an, a, an, a, he wanted to show the Rambam was not the last word of Psak, and therefore he wanted to limit the influence of the Rambam. There are many, many theories why he wrote the Hasagos, but one last point about these Hasagos. The question is, was the Ravid really systematic in writing these Hasagos? Did he go from beginning to the end of the Mishnah Torah and made a comment on every Rambam that he thought important to comment upon? This is important because there are people, it seems to me that Rav Yosef is one of them, who thinks that whenever the Ravid did not comment on the Rambam by silence, Argumentio excellentio from the argument from silence implies that the Ravid disagrees with that particular Rambam, and it seems that the that when the when Ravavad Yosef or others look to see which Rishonim held which viewpoint, they would say, well, if the Rambam held it and the Ravid did not say anything, obviously there are two opinions, both the Rambam and the Ravid, that this is true. It seems that the Ravid was not that systematic in his approach. And therefore, there are many Rambams that it seems almost inconceivable that the Ravid would agree with. And, as we can prove 
through really serious scholarship of studying the Ravid and other sources, which I said is a source of a, an unbelievable note by Rav Chaim Salavechik, where you can show a corollary between the Ravid in his Svarim, what he really, in Svarim, that either that he wrote or that he was quoted, that we can actually see his opinion on many issues that he did not argue with the Rambam. So, it would seem that the Ravid is not systematic, and there are cases where the Ravid certainly would disagree with the Rambam, uh, but he did not make a comment for whatever reason. It does not necessarily mean that there was a systematic system to the sagas. The uh, Ravid's uh, endeavor and oeuvre is really too great to discuss in such a brief time. Perhaps we got a little taste of the greatness of the Ravid and as I recommended before, more li literature is certainly available for the interested person.